Raw Truth podcasts may contain explicit, sensitive, and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster and are not based on the advice of a licensed psychologist, therapist, or other medical professional. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Women's lives follow many paths, twists and turns, and choices never planned nor expected. In life, temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness can lead a good person to make a choice that they can't take back. When facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. In this podcast, you will hear stories from women who made the choice to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. An anonymous and no-judgment podcast created and hosted by me, Rebecca Adams. I was an unfaithful wife. You are not alone. Welcome to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. This is Rebecca. Hope everybody's been doing well. Hopefully, where you guys are, the weather isn't too extreme. There's been a lot of flooding around and wind and snow. Those East Coast people have really had the snow. And where I live, one minute it's sunny and it feels warm at 38 degrees. And then the clouds will just kind of land on our property and it gets cold and then the wind stops and then it'll snow. I mean, all these weird different patterns within just an hour. It's a uh, Quite interesting. It's been a learning curve to where we moved from being in the city in Vancouver, Washington. So it's it's been a change. It's been challenging, but it's been good. And one thing that's really good is that it's awesome and quiet for recording, except when my dogs are snoring, which they are doing right now, but I don't think you can hear. Let's go ahead and get started on today's episode about Angela. Rebecca. I started listening to your podcast after my counselor suggested it to me. You see, I too am a cheater and have had a hard time forgiving myself after many years. I was brought up Pentecostal, and we went to church twice on Sunday and once on Wednesday plus any other times that there was a special preacher visiting or a revival. Basically, our lives revolved around our church and our beliefs. My childhood seemed idyllic until I was 11 and my mother left because she was having an affair. My sister and I split between our parents so that we could continue to be part of both of their lives. I went with my dad who remarried shortly thereafter and we moved to a new town for my high school years. I began dating a guy my freshman year. We dated through all four years of high school and a year after that. He ended up proposing and I turned him down because I didn't feel it was the kind of love that would last forever. I believed in getting married only once. He was a great guy, but I felt I ruled the relationship and he never told me no. I eventually cheated on him just to see how far I could push the boundaries. He was deeply hurt and dumped me, which I didn't blame him for. I had hurt him deeply and broken the trust. I met the man I was to marry a couple years later and things moved quickly. I was 20 and he was 23. 
He had never brought a girl home before and his family was thrilled. He showered me with love and attention and gifts and we moved in together within five months, engaged within six months, and married within 11 months. He was like no other man I had ever met. This was the man that I thought I would be married to forever. We stayed married for 18 years and had two kids. It wasn't until about the 15th year that I began to feel that we were growing apart and I was no longer happy in the marriage. I began to see that I had no voice in the marriage and was just his puppet. I tried to leave one night, but he wasn't going to take no for an answer and talked me into coming back home. I stayed for another three years until I just couldn't stand it anymore. I knew I had to find a way to get away from him, so I had an affair. He downloaded software on our home computer and found out about the affair and confronted me. He was so upset that he assaulted me, threw my clothes out of the house, and threw me out. I went to the police because I wanted my kids to know my side of the story, in case he came after me and killed me. I wanted some sort of paper trail so that they wouldn't believe only his side. He was arrested and charged with assault and paid a fine as well as community service. Within six months we were divorced and I basically gave him what he wanted because I just wanted to be out and away from him. I picked up the broken pieces and tried to put my life back together again. My relationship with my two children was cracked and it took a lot of work to repair the damage I had done to them. I moved on quickly. About six months later, I began dating and moved right away in with a guy that I'd known for about 20 years. I was so desperate to have that stability back in my life and have a family unit back. I soon learned that neither of those could be instantly put back together and trying to blend a family was very difficult. There were many red flags that I chose to ignore that became big stressors in the marriage. The stressors eventually ended the marriage and I vowed never to marry again. I spent the next few years on my own, dating here and there, but never wanting anything serious because men weren't worth anything more than sex to me. After the death of my sister, I began to see a counselor and opened up to him about my past struggles and one of those was not being able to forgive myself for the affair and breaking up my marriage. At this point, it had been 13 years and I still beat myself up for it. Through counseling, I discovered that he was a classic narcissist and even though I didn't identify it at the time, my subconscious knew that I had to make him mad enough to get away from him permanently. Well, I certainly achieved that goal, didn't I? It wasn't until your program that I began to understand why I did what I did and began to forgive myself for being human and making a mistake. I had my reasons, although they went against my morals and values. It was a means to an end for me. After 13 years, I began to understand narcissism, gaslighting, ghosting, judgment, and forgiveness. 
I remarried six years ago and felt that I could put the past behind me and put it to rest. I wish it could be that easy. The past two years have been very stressful with COVID, health issues, with my husband becoming disabled and retiring, losing his parents within three months of each other, his brother coming to live with us, getting the last of my children graduated from high school, and his son being arrested for falsely being accused for touching his child. I once again have found myself turning to another man for companionship and affection. I met my current affair partner when my husband and I signed up for three fun. My husband had expressed wanting to make my fantasies come true. It's an app for meeting other couples or people to join you. We chatted with this guy for a few days and arranged to meet him for lunch to see how we got along. The meeting went well, but then my husband got cold feet, per se, and said he was afraid to lose me. We took our profile off the site, but behind my husband's back, this guy and I have kept in touch. We live a little more than an hour and a half away, so we don't meet up very often. It's more of a friendship of texting and chatting on the phone. He is in a relationship where his physical needs aren't met either. We originally met for lunch in July, so it's been going on for five months now, and I don't see myself finding someone else should this end. It's too difficult, emotional, and I feel guilty. My husband isn't able to have sex due to health issues, and I have tried to be faithful, but I miss the intimacy that we don't share. I hate myself for being so weak and insecure. I don't want to leave my husband, but sex with this other man is absolutely incredible, and I have fallen in love with him. I don't think my husband suspects this has continued. We have a good life and are together a lot. If I do meet up with the other guy, it's on a Monday when he has a day off and a significant other is working and when I am supposed to be working. I don't believe my husband questions my commitment to him. We have a good life other than the fact that I want and need more physical relations. My affair partner knows that I won't leave my husband due to his health issues. He is also in a relationship and says he won't ask me to leave my husband. We talk of one day being together, but who knows when that will be. I stay with my husband because I do love him, and we have a good life for the most part. I think what I get from the other guy is attention and great sex. I don't think things would work out with the other guy because of his drinking and his priorities to his son. I would feel like I came in third in his life. Plus, I just don't want to start all over fresh again in my life. I have been there and done that. I have worked hard to have my house, car, job, life, relationship with my kids, his kids, and family, etc. I also think that one of the things I get from the affair is the feeling of being pretty, desired, sexy, and important. Most days I feel stuck between two worlds. I wish I had someone that I could turn to to share my thoughts with, who wouldn't judge me or condemn me for my choices. I have so many thoughts that run through my head and I try hard to organize them and make sense of them. 
Thank you for sharing your story, for this podcast, for others who have been brave enough to share their stories, and for all that hurt that people have felt and shared. I am still listening to your podcasts in hopes that maybe I will find an answer to my situation buried somewhere within. Angela Thank you, Angela, for sharing your story. This is a tough one, I think. It's not the first time I've received a story about this, but I can tell deep down, you just want your husband. You want your husband 100%, and he is unable to fulfill those needs. And so you feel like, hey, I need these things in my life, and I can't get them. So I ask, you know, I know you and your husband had talked about a um, kind of look like kind of a swinging or just bringing a third person in uh, to the relationship. Have you talked with your husband about your concerns and expressed to him that there are so many positives in your marriage, but there's also some negatives that need to be fixed in a way, I guess is the best way to say it, maybe. Um, for him to understand where you exactly are, that you don't want to leave him, you want to be with him, but you need this affection. And granted, the sex may not be there, but there's still so many other ways of being intimate with your partner without the sexual intercourse. Uh, talking to him about still going out on dates, having him will you do everything you can to be with him and have other intimacies. You know, I understand that, like I said, sexually, he may not be able to perform, but there are other things he can do for you, you know, whether it be oral sex, uh, be with you with toys, you know, there are so many things that maybe he could be involved with and make you feel like he's still interested in that, to, to be with you in that way. I just think that if you haven't, and you probably have, but if you haven't, I encourage you to talk to him. Be honest and bold about it. Be truthful. You've said it clearly. I do not want to leave my marriage. And if perhaps he's fully aware of where you are, that you need that emotional, you need that affection, you need to feel pretty, you need to feel wanted maybe he will realize that, you know, marriage is 50-50 here. And even if there is disabilities involved, um, you know, there are other ways he can still consider courting you, even though you're married. You never want to stop dating your spouse. So hopefully, hopefully things will work out for you. I just hate to see you, like you said, have to start over again. And you know, your affair partner is not a person that you want to spend your life with. Uh, he's there kind of as your um, is, a, is a way to feel good and get what you need. Um, but nothing serious in that aspect as far as love and things that can become even more dangerous. So thanks again for sending in your story. And please keep me posted if anything changes. I know that the listeners love updates and it's great to be able to update people where they are. Thanks again so much. 
I would like to share an article from Psychology Today, and it's called, Should It Be Okay to Have an Affair When Your Partner Is Seriously Ill? Taking care of someone else's needs could mean ignoring your own. It was written by Aaron Benzieve, PhD, In the Name of Love, and it was reviewed by Devia Sills and was posted back on March 12th of 2019. And I'll have the, uh, the link in my show notes so you can take a look at it. But let's see what he had to say about this. It kind of sounds familiar with what's happening here with Angela. So just thought I would run this past everybody. Caregivers who love their ailing spouse but cannot attend to their own romantic needs can feel captive. Should they get, as other inmates do, brief vacations due to good behavior? The caregiver's emotional ambivalence. Quote, when you're a caregiver, you need to realize that you've got to take care of yourself. Naomi Judd. Holding multiple perspectives at the same time can produce ambivalence, especially when conflicting features are involved. In my book, The Arc of Love, How Our Romantic Lives Change Over Time, 2019, I argue that this ability is an important survival skill in dealing with our complex reality, as it allows us to pursue certain values and to compromise on others while maintaining a belief in the worth of them all. In a common example of emotional ambivalence, a widow attending the wedding of her daughter feels joy, but also sadness that her late husband, the father of the bride, is not present. Her mixed emotions can last throughout the wedding and even after it. This is not an irrational experience. Each partial perspective is appropriate, while no single perspective expresses an overriding standpoint. The ambivalence of a woman who is married to a very sick spouse and has never had an affair is even more acute. Considering the following poignant words written by such a woman, quote, I want to fall in love again over and over within a relationship or relationships that are free to master sensual awareness over traditional guardrails. I don't wish to be free from my caregiver role because he seriously needs my presence as we struggle through this. I still love him. I still care deeply about what the quality of life is left for him. But I also desire to be free, to spread my romantic but broken wings and soar on the winds of erotic pleasures with a partner that can help heal me through his touch, his voice, his tenderness, his passion, his courage, his strength. There is nothing wrong with these seemingly opposing wishes. This woman wants to fulfill basic human needs she cannot fulfill within her marriage. Captive Caregivers quote, Marriage is like a cage. One sees the birds outside desperate to get in, and those inside equally desperate to get out. Michel de Montaigne. Ma I butchered that. <laughs> Sorry. Quote, I can't mate in captivity. Gloria Steinan on why she had never married. Later, she did get married. Marriage has often been likened to a prison. A major type of relational commitment, marriage indeed limits one's romantic freedom. The problem of captive caregivers, however, differs from problems in normal marriages. In the former, it is not that one partner cannot fully satisfy all the needs of the other, but that they can barely fulfill any of the other's needs, and particularly not romantic ones. Caregivers can deal with these painful circumstances in three main ways. A. Deserting or divorcing the sick spouse. 
B. Denying oneself's romantic satisfaction. And C. Using romantic outsourcing. All three options are agonizing. The first choice is emotionally and morally horrifying as it involves abandoning at his greatest moment of need a helpless person who may have been a loving spouse. The profound commitment of the caregiver is based, among other things, on the appalling nature of deserting one's infirm spouse who has no one else to rely on in the twilight of his life. The second option, which denies the caregiver her romantic satisfaction is unfair and even cruel to the healthy spouse. This spouse sacrifices much of her current life for the sick spouse. It is just unjust to demand from her to sacrifice her romantic needs as well. The third possibility entails romantic outsourcing, which uses a third party to fulfill some romantic needs that cannot be fulfilled within the marriage. This option seems the most sensible one, though it is fraught with emotional upheavals. From an objective perspective, captive caregivers appear to deserve more than most married people enjoying romantic outsourcing. From a subjective viewpoint, however, many people would criticize these caregivers more than they would criticize other married people who take a walk on the wild side. Such criticism can be expressed in comments like, quote, Are you not ashamed of betraying your dying spouse? Similarly, a widow dating a man will be the subject to greater criticism than a divorced or single woman. After all, she should know better what it is to lose a spouse. It seems that, like Julius Caesar's wife, widows and captive caregivers are expected to be above suspicion. What do captive caregivers want? Quote, I'm hoping to meet a man I can't walk away from, but will never take home. A captive caregiver. Caregivers do not want to walk away from their prison, deserting their ailing spouse. However, they do want to get, as other inmates do, some breaks in view of their human needs and exemplary behavior within the prison walls. As Noreen Dworkin McDaniel nicely put it, quote, In certain situations, extramarital relationships can fall into the same category as other put-your-own-oxygen-masks-on-first strategies. End quote. Some caregivers just want occasional sexual affairs. As one caregiver bluntly puts it, quote, I just fantasize about a man with a hard penis being able to take me, end quote. Dworkin McDaniel, 2012. Many captive caregivers, however, seek not merely a sexual outsourcing, but a romantic one as well. This is expressed in the above insightful reflection of the woman who wants to find a genuine lover with whom she would like to be all the time, but one whom she will never take home. Another problematic aspect of outsourcing a lover during a declining health of a spouse is that of the lover. As the lover knows, the current status of the caregiver, he too may question his own integrity, possibly feeling he's taken advantage of another man's awful situation. Similarly, some people would not have an affair with a married person because the hurt that this could inflict upon the spouse of this person. In the caregiver situation, the recoiling is even more profound as her own hesitations are deeper. The quick transformation from the freeing circumstances of lovemaking to those of the bounded, painful reality can be too fast for many people, causing intense emotional turmoil.
Making love should be a freeing experience, but when the lights are turned back on the reality of it, all is burdened with guilt versus pleasure. And that is the greatest challenge of the psychic. To desire healthy intimacy while your loved one's health is in rapid decline and turmoil. Who can make heavenly love and look into another man's eyes while your lifelong partner calls your name from his bedside seeking emotional security? The move from a sense of heavenly love to one's painful hell is indeed shocking. Nonetheless, it may help the caregiver cope with her excruciating plight. What to tell the spouse? Quote, Honesty has ruined more marriages than infidelity. End quote. Charles McCabe. Quote, My spouse said that if I sexually go elsewhere, he does not want to know about it. End quote. A married woman. Many caregivers say that their romantic outsourcing enables them to continue caring for and supporting their ailing spouse. It generates positive energy that lifts the atmosphere at the house, thereby favorably affecting the ill spouse as well. Whether or not to tell the sick spouse about the affair is a sensitive question. The common and easier choice is remaining silent about it, letting him or her enjoy the bliss of ignorance. This behavior, however, may be regarded by both partners as cheating, albeit benign cheating, and thus give rise to negative emotions. Another possibility is discussing the issue with the ill spouse in the hope to get his consent. In this case, the third person may even help take care of the ill spouse. The scenario can be problematic for two reasons. It's hard to know in advance whether the consent will be given, and even if it is, the ill partner may still have strong negative emotions about the issue. Concluding Remarks quote, To care for those who once cared for us is one of the highest honors. End quote. Tia Walker there is no right way of coping with the dilemma of captive caregivers. There are different benign ways of doing so, and then there are ways that are certainly more harmful than others. Ignoring the dilemma is unfair to the caregivers. Coping with the complex situation may require some revision in our romantic norms, mainly in the direction of relaxing some of them. Of course, other options are possible as well. So that's kind of sheds a different light and a different perspective on situations similar to Angela's. I just thought it was a very interesting article. You know, everybody has their own thoughts and opinions about it, but I thought it would be good to talk about and kind of discuss and bring that out. Truly, what would we do if we were in those situations? A lot of us aren't, but a lot of us are. So just food for thought. Thank you so much for being here. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams. As I have mentioned before, it will no longer be streaming on this channel. It has its own. So be sure to subscribe and check out some of the crazy taboo topics we talk about and, you know, enjoy and laugh. And of course, participate because I always like to reach out and ask for people's thoughts and opinions and suggestions. So I need you over on that other channel. In two weeks, we will be back with another episode from Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Thank you so much. 
On Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, I share stories of women who have been unfaithful to their spouse or partner. I give them a safe space to be able to explain what happened and why they chose the direction of infidelity. But I also feel it is just as important to understand what the betrayed husband or partner faced when he uncovered the truth. I think a day or two later is when she fucked her professor. A few weeks later, she confessed to me that she had sexual intercourse with Pat, her advisor. She claimed it was just once, though I don't know if I believe that. She certainly had a several-month emotional affair with him, at the very least. It struck me that she sounded so nonchalant in telling me. Over the next several months, I had emotions like nothing I have experienced before or since. To hear exclusive stories of the men's discovery of female infidelity in their relationship, have early access to regular episodes ad-free and more extras, subscribe to my Patreon by visiting my website, rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com. Subscription pledges start as low as only $4 a month. You have been listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Your support of Raw Truth Podcasts is truly appreciated. When you visit the website, rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com, you will find the story guides to help form your story, where you can subscribe to Patreon for exclusive episodes, and to vote for the podcast to be in the Hot 50 Countdown for Podcast Magazine. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to my other podcast, Let's Ponder with Rebecca Adams, where taboo topics are discussed. To submit your female infidelity story, share feedback, or have general questions about the show, please email rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com. Stories shared will be read without judgment and always anonymously. Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity is written, produced, and edited by Rebecca Adams. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself. And always remember, no judgment. Goodbye. Goodbye.